peak of the project, I guess, before that. But uh, I've been working on um, this pretty much. You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments, a very special show tonight with two very special guests. And I'm thrilled and honored to have them both on tonight in all coming from the soap opera world, which has been a part of my world <laughs> since I was little, and I'm assuming most of all of my listeners' worlds as well. Um, uh, throughout the entire show tonight, I'm honored to have Sonia Blank. Blanquiardo, the Emmy-winning soap opera director and producer of One Life to Live, All My Children, As the World Turns, just to name a few, and the creator and executive producer of the Amazon new hit series, Tainted Dreams. And we're going to hear all about that tonight. And then at about 7.30 tonight, Austin Peck, soap star sensation from Days of Our Lives, and again, among others, also a star of the new Amazon hit series, Tainted Dreams, will be calling in. So this is a really, really exciting night. Again, because I am such a soap opera fanatic and have been my entire life, it is so exciting for me to have the opportunity to speak with Sonia and Austin to get sort of a look inside of a world that is just so interesting and imaginative and very nostalgic because it really is a part of many of our lives as we grew up. Um, Now, Sonia, before I do a further and proper introduction as well, I want to give my new listeners and those joining us again, I apologize, just a quick introduction to exactly what you've gotten yourself into tonight. Uh, My name is Kathleen Smith. I'm the founder um, of Morph Mom. About four years ago, I started what has sort of become or evolved into a multimedia platform where we connect women and hopefully inspire, empower, and encourage women to go out and do whatever it is they wanted to do with the connection of women out there who have done it before, who are willing to mentor, willing to pay it forward, willing to help them to get where they want to go. 
I have a website, which is morphmom.com, which is M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And you can go on and see over 600 videos of women all over the country who are just kind and compassionate and willing to share their stories, their journeys, the steps that they took, those that worked, and more importantly, those that didn't. And I think even more importantly, they're willing to share things or failures, which I don't even consider failures. I think that they're bumps in the road that encourage you to get back up again and, and keep going. And I think that's actually one of the most important things that we can share to encourage you to never give up. That sort of evolved into, I now write for the Huffington Post. I have a column about morph moms and again, sharing their stories. We now have this radio show. We have a really exciting uh, class that we offer where we all sort of sit together and figure out what it is that you want to do and who you really are. Because, you know, many times we're so focused on everybody else, we don't really focus upon ourselves. Um, And we also have some great cocktail parties around the country and a very exciting speaker series event that will be in New York City in April. So stay tuned because details are to follow. But it's really, really cool. I promise. You'll want to be there. Um, So without further ado and without anything else about me, because I think you're all waiting to hear from Sonia. (laughs) Sonia, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Hi. Thank you so much. I, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Um, so Sonia, I, I will again give your background, as I explained, daytime Emmy Award winner, director, producer, um, a creator of, of Tainted Dreams, but I might throw out there most importantly, um, we share the same birthday. <laughs> so I just am saying, like, April 18th is a pretty good day. <laughs> so, Aries power, Aries right. power. <laughs> we were destined to meet. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> So, Sonia, what you do, and by the way, I, I neglected to mention that not only is Sonia involved with uh, the soap series, with television, with um, Amazon, she also is involved with Off-Broadway as well, which we're going to get to. Um, Sonia, tell me about where this all began. How did you get into the world of soap operas and directing and producing, and, and where did it all begin? I know this is going to sound very cliched, but it's something that I always felt that I wanted to do. I always wanted to work on all my children. I just, at the time, didn't think it was even remotely a possibility. So when it happened, it was just the best time of my life and started, you know, as an intern making copies. And and I remember sneaking the breakdowns because I got to copy them and I wasn't allowed to read them, but I would be in the corner. And if I would read one paragraph, like, I can't believe that's going to happen. And Palmer's (laughs) going to do that to, to... you know, all these, all these insane stories at the time, and I was, it was just such a thrilling, thrilling time. And it just evolved, and my career was built. And, you know, one, one show led to another show, and there you have it. But I really always knew that I wanted to do this, and I don't know why exactly. I just love soaps. Did you watch them growing up when you were younger? I did. I did. My mom, my family is from Italy, and my mom, when I was born, did not speak English. So it's a story that I hear over and over again you know, generational viewing patterns of, of people that really watched to learn the language. She learned English from all my children and days of our lives, which is very ironic because I started my career in all my children and now I'm on days of our lives. I'm like, Mom, I kind of, I kind of bookended it for you. But um, it definitely was something where I just, you know, growing up before school, that's, we, Mom had the TV on and when I came home from school, we just, we just watched and you just grow up with it, and, and you know you know you don't understand as a child. You just you just accept it as being a part of your life, and then when you start understanding, you're like, wow, this is pretty good. <laughs> it, it's so fascinating because, uh, as odd as it is, I think there's a very nostalgic 
like you were saying about your mom learning English through soap operas. There's something very nostalgic about it. It wasn't just the storyline. Like for myself, I think it was sort of sitting with my grandmother and liking whatever show she liked and sitting with other people and sort of the characters that they liked or that they associated with. And I think it was something you shared with somebody at the time, like many, you know, with a grandmother, with an aunt, with your mother. And I think that's such a neat part of growing up with these soap operas. And you kind of grow up with the characters. Absolutely. And, and also, too, when we were younger, when I was younger, you, you didn't have the options you had now. A lot more moms were at home. You know, today, even if, even if the situation with, you know, moms working more and more as, you know, they need to and, and have to for their families, they're really, even if we were all home, like one big happy family, the options are endless. So it was a very special time in a way where less was more. And you, you, you were surrounded with these shows that became a fabric of your life, and it just was your through line. It was your comfort. It was your daily ritual when, when everything else was crazy. And I think that's the case even today. There's that sense of familiarity where they'll always be there, and, you know, those characters, are, they, you feel like you know them because you, you've been with them for decades, literally. That's true. So I there's think, definitely a lot of that. And watching them develop as a character is true. You kind of feel like you're involved with whatever storyline is going on at the time. You're, yes. you're very much involved <laughs> with, with the storyline. Absolutely. Yeah, you become a part of it. You become a part of it. And I think there's, uh, there's something that can never, has never been replicated, nor can it ever be, because these, these characters stay the same. Whereas I say all the time, you could be a huge Brad Pitt fan, but you appreciate that character, the role he embodies, for two hours, and then it's done. That's not the case with soaps. It's the same. Even a primetime series, it, you know, it has a beginning and a middle and an end at some point. You know, if you're lucky, you have a series that you enjoy for 10 years. But even then, it's once a week, summer's off. It's not a daily thing. It's, it's, it's a different dynamic for sure. Now, I just want to interrupt for a second, and I want to welcome my co-host tonight, Lisa Carey, another avid soap opera fan, guru, like myself. With a grandma. With a, yes, that's right. Sitting with a grandma, grandma. watching the soaps. So, um, Sonia, I just want to welcome Lisa, like I said. Um, Sonia, you just said something interesting. So, you know, you get involved with the series. It could be 10 years, but it's, you know, it starts in September. It may end in, I guess, what, April, sometimes May, take the summers off. But a soap opera, which I guess differentiates it, like you said, is is it how many days? It goes straight through every season and just continues and continues. And it's sort of shot. Is this true? Is it shot live every day? We shoot. First of all, hi, Lisa. Nice to, nice hi. to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, I mean, it used to be that we shot a show a day. Now it's actually more than that. I don't know exactly what the formula is, and it varies a little bit day by day. But there are days where we shot, we shoot about a show and maybe three quarters of another show. So it's it's a lot of content per day. But we definitely air the one a day, minus Christmas and I think you know special special occasions where they have other things going on. But otherwise, it's it's you know five days a week year round. So what are their so what are the actors what are their hours like? For example, like a typical day. You know, I've seen I've seen. Look, the reality of the matter is is that soaps don't have the viewership they once had. And I think that's that's true for television across the board. Again, going back to the fact that there are so many options out there, you can't have people watching the same thing. It's just not mathematically possible. So with, with less viewers comes, you know, tighter budgets. It used to be that if we needed to stay until midnight, we stayed until midnight. Now, 
you know, an, an actor, all of us, we have a pretty, believe it or not, nine to five oh, kind yeah. of a day. I mean, right. to some extent, our day starts at 7.30, we do a little dry rehearsal, and we're on camera at 8.45, and we're done anywhere from 3.30 to 5. So it's not really an astronomically long day. They have a lot, of, I mean, my hat goes off to them all the time, because they have pages and pages of dialogue at times, depending on how heavy they are in story. So they, they really are amazing. They just come in and know their stuff, and my mind can never work like that. i got to tell you that maybe that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I, I can never act. I'm like, I can't memorize all right. this. <laughs> I mean, how far ahead do they get the script? Sometimes Generally. not far. Right, that's what I'm thinking. You have to go Sometimes, home. Sometimes, like, you know, right. two or three days before. But the, but the thing is, is that if they're heavy in story and they're in on a Monday, maybe they have all their scripts by, you know, Monday night for the rest of the week. But if they're working every day, they really don't have an opportunity to look at that script until the night before because they're concentrating on the next day's material. Right. So a lot of people don't know that. Like, they truly they truly work so incredibly hard because it's, it's just not easy. It, it, and, and they come in, and I think part of it is that they know their characters so much, and, and it's just, it's just they're, they're so professional, and they know what to do, and they do it. Are there ever times when they don't stick, or, or it's okay if they don't stick exactly to the script, but like you said, they know these characters, they've played this character for you know, two decades or whatever it is, that they can sort of, not improv, but is there ever a time where it's sort of okay if they go a little bit off, strict, off script, they can sort of stick to the story as they know it should be? You know, I mean, there are always days where I'm asked as director, they're like, you know, can I not say this one line or can I say this instead of this? <laughs> And if it's not major, I always approve it. If it's more major and they have a bigger issue, you know, they have conversations with the producers ahead of time. I mean, there are always exceptions to every rule, but as, as a, a general note, they pretty much stick to the script because we cut live. It's not single-camera directing. It's, it's, it's multi-cam, and you're in a control room, and based upon what the last thing they say, that's my cue to take a different camera. So if they change it on mm-hmm. me last minute... That's kind of so. I always like. I don't care what you say. I mean, I don't mean it that loosely. Of course, I care. But as long as I know what you're going to say, so that I know how to cut the show properly, so it doesn't look bad. <laughs> but no, for the most part, they really do stick to it, and and you know, there's always a little bit of flexibility. But they're pretty good about saying what's on the page. Do you get the scripts before the actors do to sort of go through it, or do you get them at the same time as the actors? I usually get it. Um, scripts may be out, but until the day is assigned. So I'll get it about a week before I actually work. There have been days where it's a little less, and there are days where it's a little more, because I need a couple of days of prep time at home um, to block it and, and do my thing. So I usually get it once once the director, because it's not one show, it's pieces of many. So once that schedule is all, it's a big puzzle. Once they put it all together and say, okay, this is what's happening on this day, Sony, you're directing this day. I'll get all my material, and then I have a few days to, to do what I need to do, and then I hand it in, and we meet, and we shoot. It's a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fascinated by those sets because, you know, it's like 20 years, and they're in the same living room. I mean, what um, – but obviously time goes by, right? So they have to change it. Like how often do they change, you know, someone's house and that kind of thing? Well, I remember it was a really big deal because back in the day, Erica Kane had her house for way too long, so we burned it down, <laughs> and she got a new house. <laughs> like, and I think we did it also, too, with Lily on As the World Turns. It was one of those things where, 
you know, I guess people don't like moving per se for no reason because they don't leave town. So why would you move? Right, they don't leave right. town. That's Something right. bad happens. <laughs> but we would do redecorate. We just we just gave Samara, I believe. No, um, Kyriakis. We gave them a, 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 a facelift with brand new furniture. It's beautiful. So there are we, we've been um, we definitely upgrade and update with with set deck and new furniture. But it is kind of hard when you know that's a good question because you never think about it. Like why don't people move? Right. But I guess that's right. it. Well, right because they don't leave the town unless they're leaving the show. I mean that's it. Yeah, right? yeah, they're moving. I mean why move from you know Main Street to to whatever West Street if you're going to stay in Salem? You might as well stick in your own home. <laughs> So, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's so funny when you say Salem. I actually, having watched these shows for so long, believe it's an actual place. <laughs> I can picture it perfectly in my mind right now and where they're standing and where they're shopping and where they're eating. It's so, again, like we were saying, how it becomes a very nostalgic thing. And I think because of the consistency, like you're saying right now, you're never going to leave. When everything is haywire in your own life. You could always know that at one o'clock you can turn on whatever, you know, whatever time the show is on, whatever channel, you will have the structure and the consistency and the something stable that you can rely upon. I don't know. It's a funny thing. I think you, you know you can always go to it. And for that hour, you can sort of become somebody else for a little bit. And sure. Then sort of- and you escape. I remember, um, and I don't know the exact wording, but I think it was late 80s, early 90s, right around the time when I was starting it was like Escape, Love in the Afternoon. Those were all like marketing and campaign, um, you know, uh, promotions that we had. But it wasn't, they weren't just words. It was meaningful, like Escape, this is Love in the Afternoon, whatever your life is, just watch. And, you know, they've, they've all changed throughout the years to be applicable to whatever whatever it is that, you know, need, needs to be said. But that is the reality. You, you watch a soap to escape your own life, to get to, you know, to spend some time with who you feel are your friends and your family. Yeah, it's true. Or what you want to be, what you can pretend to be for a little bit. Like, yeah. You know, the, the instant love or the, whatever it is you're craving in your own life, you can sort of find it there. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, stability. I, mean, listen, I'm, and, I'm not, yeah. I don't think I ever have said this out loud. This is the first time I've ever said it. But all throughout high school, I was convinced I was marrying Ted Martin. I'm like, there was no doubt in my mind. <laughs> and then I meet Michael Knight, and it's like, I, I literally... I, I, don't know what to say and he's one of the greatest guys ever and it's like you know obviously there's such a shift when you when you enter a professional world like wow i can't believe i thought that but yeah i know i was 1000 percent convinced like oh yeah not marrying michael knight i'm marrying ted martin that's the difference that's what's so scary and then and didn't you always think that you'd have that luke and laura like romance like it was gonna come and, and that right. there would be a song written about you as well oh yeah Oh yeah, that there's a very unrealistic um, perception of what love is when you, <laughs> especially in your twenties, where you're very naive. I'm like, wait a minute, you're not going to close down a restaurant and and like have this dinner for me and sing to me? No, okay, <laughs> let's meet at the bar and go Dutch. That's the reality of it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely set you up for failure. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you. So you said. This was something you were always interested in, like soap operas and like Lisa was saying with her grandmother and we were saying, you know, your mother learning English from this. What, um, how, but how did you, you said you began interning, but how did you become a part of the directing world and the producing world? How did it sort of evolve into that direction? You know, soaps are very loyal with um, most people that, that have climbed to certain positions. Really, we all started as interns. They're very good about promoting within. It's one of those, I guess, 
it's kind of like the loyal fan base. It's the loyal work base. You, if you're a good worker, you progress to the next level. So I was there. I was an intern. Then I answered the phones. And then I became a director's assistant. And then I, be, then I became a producer. You know, there are different levels of producing. So I was the associate producer. Then I became a coordinating producer. So you just constantly climb. And I always knew I wanted to direct. So I kind of left producing and took a, a chance by going to World Turns, where I started only as a director. And then I became a producer and a director, too. But... Directing is just a little, for me, a little more hands-on, and you're creating, you're taking the script as a very intimate relationship with the actors, with the characters, and the script itself. Producing is taking care of everyone, which isn't a bad thing, but after a while, you're like, well, maybe I don't want to be a mom anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the directing is kind of just so amazingly fun, and it is. I still feel that way. I get, I love directing. I think it's, uh, it's just really, really a, a, the best experience that I have there. Not to say I wouldn't produce anymore. It's just two very different things, believe it or not. Even though you're all in it together, there are there are different, obviously, different sets of responsibilities, and some you know gravitate towards some, and some towards others. And for those just joining us tonight, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. And I'm thrilled to be sitting here with my co-host Lisa Carey and our amazing guest Sonia Blangiardo, who's the Emmy-winning soap opera director and producer of many, many soap operas. And we're just sort of discussing her evolution. Uh, into the world of soap operas from producing to directing. And by the way, if anyone wants to call in, it's 212-631-7553. Um, but, Sonia, you were just mentioning like the switch from producing to directing and where it was a little bit more hands-on. So in that world, so you say you get the script maybe a week in advance. So it's so creative. Like it's your imagination that sort of brings it to life. And are you given sort of free creative you know, discretion to just sort of do what you want if it's a set that may the, maybe the writers hadn't envisioned at first, but you see it in sort of a different sort of a set. Are you give, what are the parameters when you're directing a script? I mean, uh, the, the truth of the matter is it's, it is a set, so it's three walls. So you are limited just, just from the nature of what it is to what you can and cannot do. But um, the director is allowed to decide, you know, where they cross, if they sit, what business they're doing and that that kind of shapes and molds the way the scene plays out and believe me i could block a script and another director could block it completely different and there is no right or wrong at least i hope there's not if mine's (laughs) off off the you know what it needs to be but it, it is it is completely the director's interpretation of it and and you know a lot of the scenes are very self-explanatory, you know, especially intimate scenes. You want them close together. You want them, you know, you create the inv- you create the blocking based upon what the nature of the scene is. You're not going to put two people at opposite ends of the room if they're, you know, about to kiss or there's sexual right. tension or whatever it is. So you just know that and you kind of go into that saying that that's what this scene calls for. But they definitely allow the director the freedom to decide, and that's 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 our job to, to say this camera is being used on for this take or, you know, these are the shots and these are the moves. Right. So, and how about the writers? I mean, have the writers been there for years? Are there some writers that have been there, you know, since the beginning or does that kind of change? And Yeah, I mean, that, that evolves a lot too. Um, usually writers are there for quite a bit. There, there are some changes that tend to occur when a new head writer comes in. So that's why, like like myself, I went from show to show to show. You know, writers tend to do the same thing. There are writers right now on the days that I know one particular writer that I knew from my children days. And so there's definitely that that cross, 
whatever you want to call it, there is a lot of people who used to write on this show now write on that show, but the, the team's stay pretty consistent and, and there's several writers you know minus the head writer because there's a group of breakdown writers and then there's a group of script writers so I say overall I want to I think there are at least 10 if not more writers that that write regularly so it's not just one one voice it's many voices that come together once the head writer decides what stories he wants to tell or she wants to tell are there writers assigned to certain characters mm. no no I think that's all in the head writers like department in the sense that if there's someone he wants to bring in or she wants to bring in who this person is what how they would weave into the fabric of the story that they're trying to tell there's certainly certainly head writers obviously throughout the years i mean we wouldn't we wouldn't have a show if we didn't bring in constant new characters but the the writers are responsible for writing their episodes it's it's pretty um it, it's it's pretty like again very formulaic in that sense. You know, each writer gets assigned, okay, you write the breakdown, the script writer will take the breakdown from that breakdown writer and create the dialogue. So. so. And then how far in advance, like, you know, do they say kind of, okay, in three months this is kind of where we want to be with, you know, with these four characters or something? How far in advance? You know, the, the head writer, as a producer, I was always privy to long-term story. As a director, I'm, I'm not, okay. which, you know, it's just, the, it's just the way it is. But I, I do believe that they still give, like, a six-month plan where it's like, yeah. this is our okay. six-month story arc. Okay. And, you know, everybody has notes that they give, you know, and the, the network has an opinion, the executive producers. And once everybody comes to together to say, this is the story we want to tell, then they start the process of, you know, writing the scripts, and they know, they know exactly, like, if they want to take whatever character from point A to point D, they know the B and C, and when that B and C will occur, definitely, definitely. I like being pleasantly surprised when I read the breakdowns, like, oh, I like that, I wasn't expecting (laughs) that, you know, I almost don't want to know, like, long term, I used to, like I said, I used to know as a producer, and it kind of made it anticlimactic when you were reading the breakdowns, like, oh, man, I already knew this. (laughs) (laughs) So you're still sort of, like, kind of enjoying the anticipation and the storyline as if you know you're, you're still surprised as you're going through it um how how long and i we're going to get to tainted dreams in a, in a moment where sonia sort of made the transition from the soap the soap opera world to then creating and producing this amazon hit series called tainted dreams but sonia when is there sort of like a, a a certain length of time that you you will usually stay with one soap before moving on to the next. Like, is there, or, or a minimum amount of time that you would stay with one soap? You know, I think it's different from everyone. I know people who have stayed with the same soap for thirty years more. Mm-hmm. And for me in particular, um, the, where I wanted to go with my career at the time, I feel like you outgrow certain positions. And you know, truth be told, if other people above you are doing great jobs, those jobs would not and should not be vacated for for you. to. So when they are vacated on another show, you take advantage of, of that opportunity because you just want to learn as much as you I always came from the place where I just can't learn enough, and the only job I never did on a soap is writing, which is ironic because I wrote Tainted Dreams along with, right. with a very talented co-writer, Lindsay um, uh, Harrison, but uh, that's one job that I never, I never did because I just wanted to be in production and hands-on. So for me, it was it was always exciting to, to just grow and, and learn how to do different things. And that's why I chose to go to different soaps and, and just experience new positions and, and just learn more. And 
again, well, I guess one more question before we move on to Tainted Dreams, which I'm so excited to hear about. Um, and I don't know if you can even answer this question. Do you have, in your years doing this through all the different shows, a favorite storyline or something that touched you more deeply than anything else ever did or something that hit home? I don't know if that is even something yeah, that really yeah. happened. Well, Ironically, I wasn't working yet because I was still in college or high school. I'm not quite sure of the time frame, but I remember watching the the Megan and um, Jake storyline where she died of lupus in his arms, and that haunted me for weeks. It just was such a sheer sadness because I felt like I was mourning her death, and I don't know why that stands out. It, it, it's, it was a great story, but you're going back now at least you know 25 years, if not longer, Working on the shows, I mean, I was just asked that a couple of a couple of days ago about all my children, like the tornado storyline where Julia was left blind and Brooke's ectopic pregnancy and Alex sleeping with, with Arlene and cheating on Haley. Like, there were so many great storylines that, I've, you know, I've, I've had an, the amazing experience of, of seeing. But as a viewer, I remember that touching me. So, I was depressed. I literally was depressed. I'm like, this is ridiculous. She's not really dead. She's fine. Jessica Tuck is fine. She's on the street yesterday in New York. Right. But it's true. Like, I think something, I think that's the beauty, like we were saying about soap operas. It's something that, it's a constant. It's a steady for you. They're relatable characters. You, you can feel like you're a part of something and sort of detach from your world and enter that world for that one hour. And it's a exactly it's a comforting thing, but like you said, you can become so emotionally attached that it really can affect you afterwards. Like I think I even mentioned, for I just thought Luke and Laura together. Oh God, I just wanted to be Laura so badly. Yeah. Like was that yeah. ever going to oh, happen? Definitely. Um. So, and and again, for those of you joining us tonight, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. And Sonia is explaining to us, and my co-host Lisa Carey how Sonia made, and not really the transition, because you're still sort of doing everything at once. You are a master of many, many different things, um, including the off-Broadway arena as well, we're going to get to. But tell us about Tainted Dreams. Yeah, I mean, Tainted Dreams was something they say, write what you know. I had come up with the concept of my, a good friend of mine, who Michael Lowry, who played Jake on, on All My Children, when he, he, he went to World Turns when I was there, and like, you know, it would be really funny if we just wrote a show about your experiences in this crazy world and my experiences, because actors obviously have different experiences than behind the scenes people. And we wrote a pilot and it didn't go anywhere at the time. And, you know, the digital world was virtually unknown. I remember saying to him, why don't we do something and put it on the web? Because I wouldn't even know what that means and what that entails. <laughs> none of us really knew 10 years ago. And um, since then, it got reinvented and reformatted, and I kind of went away from, like, the different perspectives and just kind of merged the worlds and just said, let's, I just want to write something about my experiences, and that's where it came from. Oh, Sonia, hold on for one second. I think we have Austin calling in tonight, and which is perfect, because we can talk about um, Tainted Dreams together. Yeah. Hello, welcome to more fun moments. Uh, it's Austin Peck. Hello, Austin. This is Kathleen and my co-host, Lisa Carey. So thrilled to have you on tonight. And Sonia is on as well. Um, mutual ah. Tainted Dreams affiliates. Um, Austin, thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, for my more fun moments listeners, this is Austin Peck, soap star sensation from Days of Our Lives, among many other things. And, and uh, currently, and also with other things as well, star of this new Amazon hit series, Tainted Dreams, 
which Sonia just started to talk about, Tainted Dreams as well. So, Austin, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to get back into the Tainted Dreams discussion. A little about myself. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> well, I have brown hair and brown eyes. <laughs> um, okay, keep I'm going. All right. <laughs> um, uh, gosh, I don't know. Some say I when I get goofy, I look like Jim Carrey. And... Uh, um, uh, I like uh, cool walks on the beach, margaritas. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got, I, uh, my goodness, that's it. Are you having a margarita, I have to say? I'm, I'm, um, yeah. So, so te- are <laughs> that's you? That's not it. That, that defines me. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good definition. All right, I'm sold. Um, yeah. But so, Austin, how did you get into the world of soap operas and to sort of where you are today with Tainted Dreams? Like, sort of take us through a little bit and how you ended up with Tainted Dreams along with Sonia. Well, the, the road to Sonia and Tainted Dreams has been a long one. I mean, I've been acting since I was 16, and then I was on Days of Our Lives when I was 24, and uh, and then I got on. Um, and like in uh, 2006, I uh, got, you know, I was on Agile Turns where I met Sonia. And then I worked with Sonia on, on, on uh, uh, A, what is it, uh, ASWT. And uh, then on uh, One Life to Live. And then she came up with this really great idea and asked if I would be a part of it. And um, I was more than thrilled. So, yeah. Did you, <laughs> and did you always know you wanted to be an actor? Like, did, was that sort of as a child you kind of knew that's the direction you wanted to go in? No, no. Well, no. I was one of those kids that always thought of himself. My mom was an actor growing up, you know. So, you know, she made a living in doing it, but never made a name. Um, I, so, but it was never something I really thought of. It was something I stumbled onto or into. And uh, the the world, you know, just kind of made itself known to me. I was actually going to go into the military because my father was career military. And then I got approached on the street, literally, and someone said, would you want to be doing this? And, and I started working. So I was like, wow, I'm making these residual checks and making money. And, and I started traveling. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do this. I mean, it was. I didn't have anything else to take me anywhere uh, different, so that's what I ended up doing. And I, I like the idea of being an actor because you can, you know, you can be a fighter pilot, you can be a lawyer, you can be a businessman, you can play different parts. I have yet to be a fighter pilot, so I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm waiting for that moment, but um, <laughs> or a, or a, or a, a special forces. Uh, you know, ranger or something like that. I'm, that has yet to happen in my career, so I'm so far. I'm 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 lacking. Maybe you can bring that into Tainted Dreams, though. We, right? Yeah, you, never, you know what? Like Max could be. You know, the character the character Max plays on Painted Dreams could become something like that. Or you know, or you never know. Maybe Max is under is in disguise, right? And he's not really a soap actor, <laughs> but he is an actual spy. You know what I mean? Sony, are you getting all this? <laughs> I am. I'm writing it down. <laughs> I mean, I could. I mean, I could go. One thing that's great about this show is 
is that the, the, the possibilities, I, gosh, I just really hope people get the idea because the possibilities are truly endless in what we could do because all the stories are taken from real life, you know, they're real life stories. And, and, uh, and, and, and people that were, were that have worked in the industry. So we're not making fun of it as we are telling the drama behind the drama. I was reading something about today, Sonia and Austin, um, that said that each thing is an actual depiction of something that happened. Like nothing has been made up. And if I'm saying this right, and bo- you know, correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, but so Tainted Dreams, I think I read this correctly, is based upon one of the original soap operas that was on the radio, Painted Dreams, I think in the 20s or the 30s. And it's sort of now the backstage drama of sort of these fictional Soap characters, is, is that sort of the idea? Am I saying that right? Yes. Yes, we wanted to pay homage to the first soap, um, and since we knew we wanted it to be called Tainted it really worked very seamlessly because it was Tainted Dreams, Tainted Dreams. <laughs> so that was easy. <laughs> so could you just, get, you know, since some people are new to this, could you just give us a little bit of a background? We started to talk about how Tainted Dreams started and what is exactly what is the storyline and... Um, yeah, I mean, like like Austin said, everything, it, it was many years of taking notes, of taking these outrageous stories and giving them to the characters that were created with, with, with Tainted Dreams. Um, so it was really, um, I mean, the, the story that occurs within the characters, that, that story is, is based on those characters, and it's, and it's fictional, and it's filled with cheating and drunkenness and, and <laughs> autism and many, many things. We have a gay storyline coming up. It's a, it's a potpourri of all the, based on real characters that we worked with, because working in this business for as long as we have, you have a wide range of different personalities and characters. But the the jokes, the, the instances, the, 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 the pranks, everything across the board, they, those were all real, real stories that, you know, we just all did to each other and, and, and enjoyed or endured, whatever, however you want to call it. Right. <laughs> and and Austin, do you have um, one favorite sort of behind the scenes thing that you were involved in, or or part of your storyline that actually happened that you saw represented in Tainted Dreams? Um, nothing that I, you know, you know, I, my character Max. It, you know, Max is very different than than me. I mean, there's a lot of me in Max, and you know, a lot of Max, but not not a lot of Max in not a lot of Max in me. Right. I mean, you know, what I mean, not a lot of you know what I'm saying. Uh, and he's, I I think he's an amalgam of of uh, of a lot of guys that work on soap in a lot of ways that are very savvy and very hungry uh, and very unscrupulous <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, competitive. Um, so, but as far as like things that have happened, uh, I, I've heard a lot of the things that are going on. I mean, there are stories that I either heard about or I was kind of secondhand to, um, I mean, I've had my own. I look forward. I'm, I'm really going to be positive in saying that I look forward to the show continuing because I think that we all 
that are doing it have so much to offer as far as possibilities because I know there's a lot of things that I can contribute in stories. I mean, like, I mean, one of the storylines that I contribute that I did on Days of Our Lives involves me, you know, being in virtual Eden land, and I had to run around with underwear that had fig leaves sewn onto them, and I was battling like space monsters and cyclopses and gladiators. It was so out of this world, and I'm basically naked the entire time. It was the worst storyline that daytime has ever done. I mean, I can definitely say that I, that I set a precedent in doing something that was the worst. And uh, Wait, how long um, ago was that? I mean, was it, tell me it was a long I, time I mean, ago. I remember, I mean, this is like a scene, and it'd be funny is to do that. It's like, let's say Painted Dreams gets like a crazy writer, like that you've had on some of the crazy soaps that we've had. And they start writing all this fantasy weird crap. And like I remember, I remember coming into Days of Our Lives and reading the script and flipping my lid when I read the script and coming in and seeing this dummy with the little bikini bottom <laughs> with little leaves sewn on all of them. And I just... And I put it on, and I came out in the hallway, and I just screamed, you gotta be kidding me! You know what I mean? And, you know, I was like, I, I, this is what? Seriously? Look at it, it was like, look at me! You know what I mean? And, yeah, I didn't have that story, Austin, or it would so have gone in this season. I can guarantee you, I mean, you gotta, had I, mean, I known. do something like that. And, do it to, and, and what better person than to do it? They do it to Max. I know. But, you know what I mean? But, that, but you know what would be even funnier is that Max would actually be excited because he gets to be, like, he gets to, like, flex and, and, and be half naked, you know, it's because true. he thinks, ooh, this will really send my TVQ through the roof. <laughs> that is true. He's like, he's like sex sells. <laughs> so, so I guess that was the, uh, the least excited you were about playing a role. But Austin, what was the most excited you were about maybe a scene or a role that you had that maybe Sonia could then incorporate into Tain of Dreams as well? Or the funniest also besides uh, well, that Well, I mean, that's really, that's an easy one. I mean, the best, the best time I've ever had acting was working with my wife. You know what I mean? Oh. Working with my wife. I mean, really, I mean, the storyline, I mean, I got to say the entire time I worked on As World Turn was absolutely fantastic. It was, it was so much fun. They wrote, they, I, I, I just, I just, I really just love everybody I got to work with and with few exceptions and, <laughs> and there are some exceptions, but, <laughs> um, uh, and the, the just storyline of my character, Brad was probably something relatively unique for daytime, which was, I really had a beginning, middle and end. Not many people get that on a daytime show, and I had a three-year true real arc, and it was a it was a real ride, you know, for me. So, and you know, and and working with everybody on the show, this is it's a it was a really special thing. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Did you meet your wife on this? Was that the first time you had met her and, and acted with her? 
No, I, well, it was the first time I acted with her. Not the first time we met. First time we met was actually at a at a charity function, and I was I jumped up in the air off the table and I hit my head <laughs> on a fan, and I mean like not an actual fan, like someone signing autographs, wanting autograph fan. I mean an actual fan on the ceiling fan. And so that's how she remembers me is like, oh, yeah, you were the one that you were the idiot that jumped up and hit your head in the fan. That's like, yeah, that was me. Sonia, I think you've got a lot of things now to incorporate into Tina Dreams. Without um, a doubt. And that's what I've always known. <laughs> we'll never run out of material. <laughs> uh, hey, you guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. I do have to run. I have to go back into I'm actually teaching right now. Oh, so Austin, I, able I can't to get thank out. you enough for coming on. Okay. You guys Bye, take care. Austin. God bless. Sonia, I'll talk to you. All right. Austin, yep. we'll get Bye. you back on. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye. So, Sonia, our, uh, when we're talking about, so, Tainted Dreams, as we were saying, is sort of like the drama behind the drama. And these kind of stories, do you almost do your research going to the different actors and saying, you know, or, or like, how do you come up with the storylines? Well, I, I could tell you that the casting process happened after it was written, and a couple of stories were incorporated after the fact. But my promise to all the actors, and I will hold true to it, because A, I want to, because that's the whole point of this, is that if we move further with the season three, we definitely, I definitely will over take each actor out, have a couple of drinks and say, all right, give me your best and worst story, <laughs> and we'll find a way to put it in there, because I feel that it is such a collaborative effort, and I really want everybody involved to feel like this is a part of their, because this isn't just my life, this isn't just my legacy, it's everybody's, and that's what makes the show different. So that's my plan. Hopefully I'll get to, to see it through, but I'd love nothing more. And, and before Austin called in, we sort of talked about how you transitioned into Tainted Dreams and how, what made you decide to, to start this and, and to start... Um, incorporating these stories into sort of this, this drama behind the drama, you know, fictional world. Yeah, you know, but when this really started coming to life was right after the announcement of, war, of uh, Children and One Life to Live being canceled. And it broke everybody's heart, mine specifically. That's where I started my career. Um, I had been on World Turns, and that had been canceled, I believe, three or four years prior to that. So I saw the writing on the wall, and I really felt like the genre may not be dead. It's just the way we tell the story is dying. It's still not dead. I'm very grateful to still be a part of that world. But when I started, there were 16 soaps, and now there are four. So I just really wanted to keep an element of what we had, which was such a relevant part of all of our lives and history, transition it a little bit. I know viewing patterns. I always, like I said, even before Amazon was an option for us, I always knew that this was a digital series because I really feel like it's a natural progression transition that these shows need to make in order to stay uh, viable, current, whatever whatever you want to call it. And it is different. I didn't presume to create another All My Children. I could never. That, Agnes Nixon was a genius, and what she did was unbelievable, especially for its time. And But we're not there. Like, even if someone were to say, hey, do you want to create another soap for network, and we, you know, we view it five days a week, it's, it's not viable anymore. I think the reasons why the shows are still on the air that are on the air is because of that loyal fan base, because mm -hmm. of that yeah. legacy that they have. Mm -hmm. right. So this is the new way of, of programming, and this is the new way of watching what we love to watch. It's just a little bit of a training curve. That's really it. So 
when you began this, so your your sort of position uh, or your role, which is an enormously big role, is you're the creator, the executive producer. So are you writing and directing and producing, or what is like? How do you how do you manage all of that? Well, this was a long, a long process. This wasn't something that was done in a month. Uh, Tainted, by the time we got into shooting, I had been working pretty, pretty diligently on it for about a year and a half. So it takes a long time. It takes a long time to come up with the stories, tell them in the arc in which you want to, in which you want to, you know, tell them. I was very lucky to, to work with an amazing script writer who put dialogue to my breakdowns. So she actually wrote the words that my lovely, talented cast said. Um, but that was a, an amazing collaborative process. I would give her a breakdown. I would give her one a week. She would give me a script. We would note it. I kind of treated it like my background from soaps. Like, here's a breakdown. Give me dialogue. So so it took a long time, and it took a long time to get everybody on board and the cast and just make sure that they really wanted to be a part of it because this this had to have been a pa- – this was my passion project. It, it had to be a passion project for them, too, because network dollars weren't – behind this and you know we're shooting in unconventional ways and not in the comfort of a studio so and I was just lucky that I, I, I know great people that said yes and 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 I, I think the product shows for it because they were all super talented and and very very kind and it was just a great few weeks worth of an experience while we were shooting so where are you shooting by the way we shot tainted in uh the tri-state area Oh, Actually, I shouldn't say that. It was mostly, half of it was about uh, was in Manhattan and the other half was in Jersey at various locations. And one, we actually used the world turns, the old as the world turns set for the dressing rooms and the offices. Now, and, um, wait, so again, we said this was based upon, I think, was it 1920s or 30s, Painted Dreams. That was the first radio soap. So, but for for those out there that are about to obviously are going to become addicted to this show, is it based upon a 20s, 30s sort of culture or more upon a current, like, you know, currently what's going on? Did you ever oh, struggle it, it, with that, though? It's totally current. I mean, I think we just wanted to, we literally borrowed the title. We wanted <laughs> to pay homage to the first soap that was out there. I hate to say it, I know very, very, very little about who the characters were. I tried doing some research. It's not easy to come by, I have to tell you. So I wanted to be a little more versed in the in the show whose title I'm using and or borrowing. Um, but no, I, 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 this is all just current stories that are happening in Painted Dreams. We wanted to have fun with it, so we wanted to take some outrageous stories. So Walt Willie starts with having been, you know, in a coma after being rescued for a Peruvian, Peruvian village. We wanted to go there, but by no means, I mean, this was my world. I would never make fun of it, but right. we did not take ourselves seriously because right. we're aware of what we, what we do. Right. right, right, right. But it's so important what you do. Like, I think that is not lost on anybody and, and never has been. Like we said, generationally, it's never been lost on anyone. How significant and how important these soaps and these stories have been to all of us just growing up. And I think you're so, so I've had, you know, my daughter is about to be 21 and their world is digital. So I guess this is the way to start bringing this into their world because it's, it's just different. Like you said, going from, did you say 16 soaps to four is what it's yeah. gone from? Yeah. There were eight in New York and eight in LA when I first started in 1991 and little by little, they all have gone away. And it's just uh, as it was happening. It was. I think. I think another world really shocked everybody when that went. Up. Ryan's first was obviously the first to go, but when that went, I don't think it was as earth shattering as another world. For some reason, that rocked everybody. Like, how, how how could that be gone? 
Right. You know, that was the show that hit home quite a bit for, I think, a lot of the fans. And then afterwards, you know, it was expected as opposed to people weren't surprised. They were disappointed as the, you know, remainder of the shows got canceled. But I think that one really shook everybody to the core. It's like, yeah, this, this, is, this is happening. We have to accept the fact that this is happening. But what? I think it's genius that you began this world, like this digital, it, it's, that's the new way to do it. I hope so. I just know that, that again, the genre is not dead. I, I, I was reading, I was, Sandra O oh was on some, some talk show the other day, and she was saying how she's so thrilled that there's a new generation of people that are watching Grey's Anatomy because it's now avail, available digitally, and that really saved the show. That show was, was on its way out. But because there is this new fan base, and when the show came out, they were 10, now they're 20, they're watching it on Hulu. So if that's not a symbol, because Grey's Anatomy is a soap, it's a with greater production values and much more medical jargon, but it is a soap, there is a need for it, and these former kids are now binge-watching it on Hulu. That, that right. says a lot. Right. That says a lot about there is a need for the programming. We just have to kind of fit the need of, you know, the wants of the audiences that are now evolving into this digital era. Right. And not every day. That's a once a week thing. That was a once a week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They just want to binge. That's it. Yeah. You they know, no one has cable anymore. It. No. It's Hulu, no. Netflix, Amazon. Done. Right. done. <laughs> what, what was the first soap opera? Which one was the it, first one? Or were there more than it, it was painted. It was painted dreams, and it was available on the radio. I think the first. I mean, I um, if, sorry, I, I, if I know my history right, um, Guiding Light was the longest running soap because it started on radio and then it transitioned into oh, okay. into net, into television. So that 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 holds that title. I, I believe it was on in some form for seventy five years or something like Is it that. Seventy five years. Wow. I think so. I think Guiding Light hit that mark because it, it, was, it lived on the radio for so long and then it came on to, to CBS. I don't know, Sonia. I think with Tainted Dreams and you sort of being the, you know, the, the first one out there to sort of transition, maybe you're now going to bring this to the next 75 years. I don't know. I think you've done a pretty genius thing here with this. Oh, oh wouldn't that that'd be great? <laughs> that would be great. I'd be more than happy. I don't know that I'll make it, but... <laughs> I'll definitely do it till till until there's a, a need for it because it it really it really is makes me happy that these stories are out there and and people hopefully are enjoying and watching it. We are everybody is, and it's funny that you actually it is this binge watching culture now that everybody has, and that somehow you've been able to transition. When we had it daily, that was unbelievable. Right. Not having to, right. I mean, imagine right. it was less than 24 hours later, 23 hours later, you'd get to go back on and watch again. Right. As opposed to right yeah. now, right. every week. Right. right. An entire right. week. But you knew one o'clock tomorrow, you were going to be sitting right there watching this. So I think what you've done is literally genius that you've now created, you've created the platform where the next generation can appreciate the soap operas and what it sort of means and bringing you into this imaginative place for, you know, X amount of time that really follows their world. Oh, and I'm, we only have one, not even a minute left. Sonia, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Please come back. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. Anytime. And everyone out there, I'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Sonia. And get out there to Amazon and watch Tainted Dreams. Um, and the second season is coming, but it's a surprise when it comes out. See you next week. Good night, everyone. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. 
Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Voted number one jazz cabaret club by New York Magazine, the Metropolitan Room is one of the most critically acclaimed venues in New York City and is known as the home for big-name talents and rising stars. Known as a celebrity hangout, the Metropolitan Room is a high-end cabaret and jazz club and brings the best in live music to New York City every night of the week. Fabulous award-winning Broadway, TV, film, and radio performers take the stage in an intimate 115-seat elegant venue. Aside from the great highly professional artistic shows and audience, Metropolitan Room provides an exceptional appetizer and dessert menu as well as exotic and specialty drinks prepared by top New York City bartenders. The Metropolitan Room is located at 34 West 22nd Street, Conveniently located near public transportation. For information or reservations, call area code 212-206-0440. Once again, the area code is 212-206-0440. Or go to their website at www.metropolitanroom.com. Sparky the Fire Dog here. Protect your family from fire. Make sure your home has smoke alarms in every bedroom, outside your sleeping areas, and on every level of your home, even your basement. For games and activities, go to sparky.org. We want to keep you, your family, and your community safer from fire. This message brought to you by the National Fire Protection Association and your local fire department. Visit sparky.org. <laughs> 